Um, uh, would you join me in prayer as we uh, open up God's Word today? Um, Heavenly Father, we invite you to speak to us. We thank you that you want to speak to us, that you have plans for us, that you want to interact with us even today. And we pray that you would just um, let your word make sense to us and help us to hear from you. And may you just reveal more of yourself today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, good morning. Um, Every business now has a mission statement. Uh, it started in the 80s. Every business was told they have to have a mission statement to explain what their main thing is so that they can keep the main thing the main thing. It's, it's basically a sentence or two that describe what it is they're trying to do. Uh, so everyone is on the same page and that nobody gets distracted from the mission. Um, and so I have a few mission statements uh, of different companies. Amazon. Uh, any Amazon fans out there? Some Amazon fans. Uh, their mission statement, to be Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online and endeavor to offer its customers the lowest possible prices. So... That's, that's what they're aiming to do. So when you find, you know, the strangest, weirdest thing, whatever you happen to maybe want to buy online, it's because they're fulfilling their mission statement. Uh, let's look at Tesla. The mission statement for Tesla, to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. So that's their goal. So they're not going to accidentally go backwards and try to make gas-powered cars that are gas guzzlers. They're, they're attempting to move towards sustainable energy. TED Talks, really simple. Spread ideas. That's it. TED Talks, that's their goal, is spread ideas. Um, Google, to take over the world and assimilate all earthlings. <laughs> you will be assimilated. I, I'm not sure, that might be in the classified documents, um, or maybe not. Um, but these are the mission statements of companies to help them keep straight on what they're supposed to do so that they know what they're trying to do, everyone else knows what they're trying to do, and that's what a mission statement does. And what we've been looking at in this series, The Good News, The Ministry of Jesus, We've been looking at Jesus' mission statement. This is what he's come to do. And as Mark talked about last week, he has passed that mission statement along to us as well. So if we are followers of Christ, we are also on board with his mission statement. So uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And this is that... Uh, section we've been looking at, and when it comes to the, the mission statement part, we're going to try to say this all together. So um, first is the context. Then Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and when he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And then let's all say this part together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me 
Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, you can stop there, and returned it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began by saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, today we're going to focus on that one line in there that says, to preach good news. Um, to preach good news. And so, this is going to be a, a talk about what that entails. And... Um, I want to just, I want to make a comment about, so the, the Greek word here is euangelizo, which is a, a verbing of the noun euangelion, which is good news, a good message. Um, uh, and so to, to preach good news, I, I'm not super excited about that translation because preach makes you think of somebody standing in front of a church with a pulpity thing and a Bible. And that's maybe not the best translation, but it does, I, I see why they put it there, because it's really just to good news someone. You can just verb the noun. Just you good news your friends. You good news the people around you. Jesus came to good news the poor. Um, but I, I do, I, I think they put that idea of preach in there because it does entail this idea of speaking, of proclaiming with words. There's a, there's a great quote um, that's been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, uh, and it goes like this. Preach the gospel always, when necessary, use words. And I, I love the quote, I use the quote, but I do have a little bit of a problem with the quote. First of all, it's, it was never spoken by St. Francis of Assisi. I've read everything by St. Francis of Assisi and everything by the people that wrote about him in the first hundred or so years after him. Nobody ever, he never actually said that. But I get why they said that he said it because he was all in on living out the gospel. Like, just live out the gospel. And so I get, I mean, that's, it reflects his life of living out the gospel is the key thing. Um, but the other problem I have with it is it kind of makes, it kind of sounds like living out the gospel is enough without the proclamation part, without using words. And that's where I, I'm, I'm a little bit, maybe, I mean, I like the quote and I use it, but I, I feel like we want to also mention that using your words is important. I mean, we tell that to our kids all the time. They're trying to, use your words. Um, uh, words are important, and, and proclaiming the gospel in words is important because you can live out the gospel beautifully, and if you never open your mouth, people might not understand the connection between what you're doing 
and what else is going on in the world and in God and all of that. So um, it is important to preach the gospel through your life, and we're going to talk more about that next week. But it's also important to proclaim the gospel through moving your mouth and making coherent noises with it. Um, so we're going to talk about what that, what that looks like. So first of all, we're going to look at just, we're going to look at what is this idea of the good news. The good news, Old English, they called it the gospel, gospel. Um, it, it was basically the good news, the euangelion. And what is this good news that Jesus wants to proclaim and he wants us to proclaim? Um, now, I always find it curious how a word was used before it became a religious word. Um, gospel, good news, just sounds so, like, biblical. Um, but what was, how was that word used before Jesus used it in the scriptures? Um, it was primarily used as a message of victory. It was a victory announcement um, in the ancient world. It was kind of, imagine for yourself, if, you're, if your village back 2,000 years ago in the ancient East, um, your village is, is um, here's, here's a message that there's a war going on, that your, your country has been invaded like Ukraine was invaded. And, and you know that there's this war going on like in the, the next town 20 miles away from you where the the fighting is happening and all of that. And so the call comes to your village that they need every able-bodied soldier to, to come out and help defend the homeland. So, so very quickly, your, your village mobilizes all of your, your troops and, and, and starts sending them off. And all of the, the children hug their daddies goodbye, maybe knowing this might be the last time they see them. And, and they, they, there's tears and there's, there's just a, a lot of last goodbyes as they watch their soldiers from their, their own country march off into the distance, maybe to victory, maybe to death. And as they watch them go over the horizon, a hush kind of falls on the village. Because everyone is there just hoping, praying that they will have victory. And so this, this city, there's no laughter, there's no, no uh, smiles. Everyone is just huddled together in silence, hoping, praying for victory. And they wait, and they wait. Night comes, next day dawns, nothing. They wait. All day goes by, another night falls, and they don't hear anything. And at this point, they're just so tense and so worried. And, and in the midst of these silent places, all they can think about 
is, are, are people going to come back alive? Are the, are the enemies going to win? And then early the next morning, the lookout on the wall yells that there's a, there's a messenger coming. They see a messenger running towards them in the distance. And the messenger is running, tired, worn out, as he approaches the city. Everyone gathers around. They want to know the, the answer, the message. What happened? What happened in this war? And as he draws near, he yells out, Euangelion, good news! Good news! We have the victory! We have conquered! And all of a sudden, the city erupts in joy and laughter and, and, and music and dance. Everyone is happy. This announcement, this message of good news that the victory has been won and we can all find joy again because the war is over and our People have been victorious. That is euangelion. That is gospel. That's the good news. And when Jesus says, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to the broken, to the hurting, he is basically saying, I want to bring a message of victory that will change everything. It changes sadness into joy. It changes fear into confidence. It changes a, a, a person who who's, um, feels broken and, and in bondage into someone who is whole and right and, and happy. That is what good news is. It's a message, a message of victory. And so when Jesus says, I've come to bring good news, that's what he's talking about. Now, what is this victory announcement? What's the content of this victory announcement? Jesus actually doesn't give that here because it hasn't happened yet in this story. It's going to come later at the end of, of the Gospel of Luke that we're in, um, and he doesn't want to do a spoiler alert here. Um, but um, uh, Bible scholars all agree that, that the core of this announcement, the content, is what we find in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. Um, and that is, I'll just read it for you. Paul says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. This is the, the core gospel message, is basically this. It's the historical event of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the core event that makes up the good news. That's the place where the victory has been won. Um, that was the good news in a nutshell. It was a historical event that changed the world. And by historical event, I mean it, it happened in this world on this 
earth that we're standing on 2,000 years ago, not in some magical faraway land, not in Middle Earth or uh, not in the MCU in some imaginary universe. It happened in this world. Like, if you go on to, to Google Calendar and set it to years, you could go backwards all the way to the actual weekend that this thing happened. It's, 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 it's real. It happened just as, as, as real as, as, you know, World War II happened that we never saw, but we know that it, it was something that happened. It, 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 it's an actual historical event of Jesus dying and resurrecting. It all happened on a weekend. Probably Passover weekend, 30 A.D., somewhere around there, where there's, there might be some, some different um, theories on exactly the weekend. But on a Friday and a Sunday... The worst thing that has ever happened in the world and the best thing that has ever happened in the world happened. The worst thing. The human race attempted to kill God. They found the, 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 the human race, the worst possible thing that humans could do is to reject their creator and spit in his face. And that's exactly what they did. The worst possible thing that humanity could accomplish was accomplished 2,000 years ago. And the best possible thing. That God in the flesh ripped open death itself and came back to life and said this is resurrection life and you're all welcome to it this historical event of the death and resurrection of Jesus is the core of the good news now some of you don't believe it's a historical event that's that's actually you know that's a great place to start um, I think you're on the right track if you're sitting there thinking, like, dead people don't come back to life. Like, exactly. That's the whole point of it. Like, it has to be an impossible thing that points the way to say, something bigger is going on here. Because if this impossible thing happened, if someone who was literally dead lying in the grave for three days, no, no life, automatically just raises back to life, then you know something beyond the natural order has happened, if it happened. And so that's where each of us has to wrestle through. Like, if, if that actually happened, literally, three, like 2,000 years ago, someone actually came back from the dead, then that flips over your whole picture of the universe. It means there's something beyond the natural order that's reaching in and messing with things. 
And that's the world that Jesus is proclaiming to us and saying, I've got some good news. Death and resurrection, resurrection life is possible. And you guys are all invited. Um, let's, let's keep going here. Um, so the gospel is this announcement of victory that changes everything and it focuses on the announcement of a historical event of Jesus' death and resurrection. And the third thing I need to clarify about the good news is the good news is a story. It's part of a bigger story. Um, when, when Jesus opened up the scroll, you guys might not have caught all of the little clues here, but if you were to look back at verses 16 and 17, we'll see that Jesus was in a synagogue in Nazareth, which is part of Israel, on the Sabbath, reading from the scroll of Isaiah, which is part of the Old Testament. There are all these clues here that, that basically point to the fact that every one of his hearers was immersed in this bigger story of the Old Testament. Everyone that heard him already had a context of the bigger story. And so when he comes in and says, you know, this, this is fulfilled here, they already had a whole bunch of the backstory going on. And here's, if you, if you don't know the backstory, or if your friends don't know the backstory, then the good news is not going to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, think of it this way. I come up to you, yeah, um, you know, it's awesome. You know, Iron Man went back in time. He got, he got his own gauntlet, and he got the rocks from, from Thanos, and, he, and he, he snapped and defeated Thanos, but then he died. And for some of you guys, like, what? And some of you guys are like, you know the story. You know the backstory. You know how everything... You know the story, so that sentence made sense to you. But if you are not familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then all of those words were pretty much gibberish to you. And that is unfortunately what happens when a lot of times we come and share the good news of Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and, you know, he, he got eternal life for you. And people are like, huh? Who's Jesus? Who's a sinner? Like, what, what is all this about? And so, unfortunately, we have to make sure that the bigger story of which the gospel event, the good news, is a part, we have to make sure people understand the context, the, the, the BCU, the biblical cinematic universe. <laughs> They've got to get that before they're going to understand what it means for Jesus to rise from the dead and all of that stuff. And, you know, unfortunately... One of the problems with the evangelical church today 
is that we don't realize the world has changed. We don't realize that very few people actually know that old, old story that starts with Genesis 1. A lot of times I feel like, I, I, I like to say, the, the gospel starts with Genesis 1. Because if you don't, if you don't get that, there, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if, that, if you haven't already gotten to figure that part out, then all of this other stuff isn't going to make any sense. And then the, the whole story from the, from the beginning of, of, I mean, Genesis 1 tells how there's this infinite good and powerful being who spoke the universe into existence, and he said, this is good. And he, he intentionally created all of the world, and he created human beings, and he, and he said about these human beings, these are, these are going to be my image bearers. They're going to reign on the earth as, as representatives of me. And, and so if you, if you find in yourself this, this desire to, to create, to, to reign, to, 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 to take care of things, to make things better, to, 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 to bring goodness and beauty and, and all of these things into existence, that's because of Genesis 1. God created you for a purpose. And he made all of this and he said, that's good. This is a good world. And that lasted for two chapters. And then we get to chapter 3 of Genesis. And again, if you don't know this whole story, the, this, the universe that the Bible tells us is the, what we're living in, then the gospel is not going to make sense. And what happened in Genesis chapter 3 is basically these these people that God created to rule the world with him rejected him. They rebelled against him. And from that moment, everything fell apart. And you just see throughout the rest of the, the scriptures, episode after episode of people hurting one another people deceiving one another, people murdering and abuse and oppression and every terrible thing all follows from this rejection of the creator that happened in Genesis 3. Again, this is the story of which the, spoiler alert, the death and resurrection of Christ makes sense in. And if people aren't familiar with this story, then the gospel is not going to make sense. So we have to, we have to maybe back up the, the, the pickup truck a little bit. And when we want to share the gospel, we don't just start with the climax of the story. A lot of times we'll have to go all the way back and find out what do they believe about the world? What do they believe about humanity? What do, they, what do they think of themselves? All of these different pieces of the story. And so it's, it's so important that when we're proclaiming the gospel, the good news, 
that we recognize it stands in this context of this larger story. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to throw ideas at someone that just sound like gibberish. Um, now, in this story, you know, every time, every time the people cry out to God and invite God into their circumstances and, and open their lives up to God, God shows up and does good things, brings healing, brings hope, brings freedom, brings restoration. Every time that they look to God to come in and, and be a part of their lives, good things start happening, and then, predictably, they kind of disinvite him to the party again. And then things fall apart once again. More brokenness, more problems, more bondage. And this cycle keeps going through the whole story. And throughout it, you start hearing God promising the coming of the hero of the story. He starts talking to them about the Messiah, the, the king, the anointed one who will come and set things right. The one who will come and, and decisively bring about an arrangement so that God can come and restore creation to its place. And so this drumbeat of Messiah is going throughout the Old Testament. And then we come to the point where Jesus stands up and reads from the Old Testament a description of the Messiah's work. And let's, let's pick this up in <clears throat> verses 20 through 21. Then he rolled up the scroll, returned it to, attendant, to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And if ever there was a mic drop moment, although they didn't have microphones back then, that was it. It was basically Jesus saying, you know this Messiah you guys have been waiting for for 400 years? You know this person that's supposed to come and represent the presence of God, bring the kingdom, bring his healing, bring his love, bring his freedom into, the, into real life? You know this person that's even supposed to be God incarnate comes? That person that you guys have been waiting for? It's me. Jesus basically says, you guys have been waiting for this and the time has come the wait is over, the time when God shows up to clean up the mess is now. So the gospel, the good news, is a person. The good news, the, the, the victorious message is this person, the Messiah King, the one that we've been waiting for, the hero of the story, 
That person, Jesus Christ, he is the good news. And this actually makes sharing the good news really simple. Now, all of these other pieces of it, the context, the, the going back to Genesis, all of that, I mean, it's, it's really important to recognize that. It's really important to recognize that without the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, it's not good news. But the, the, the most significant part that you can get of this, of what is the good news that you're supposed to be sharing with others, the good news that will come and bring hope and healing to the world around you, is just share the person of Jesus. It's super easy. Barely an inconvenience. All you've got to do, someone's hurting, hey, let me pray for you. Let me bring Jesus himself into this situation and let's see what happens. If someone is needing hope, if someone is needing freedom, just introduce them to Jesus. Just tell, I mean, this is how you introduce someone to someone. You say, hi, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, let's talk. So all you got to do, hey, I, I, I'm a Christian and I want to just invite Jesus to do something, if that's okay with you. And then see what Jesus does. Um, okay, moving on. Lots, just, uh, so much to do. Okay, um, finally, the good news, the good news is a solution. The good news is a solution. The answer to the core problem of humanity that causes all of the other problems of humanity. Now, it, it, the core problem of humanity, we could sum it up by saying it's, it's sin. But that's, I think we, we would probably process that wrong. So let me explain what I mean. Sin has two, two parts to it. Sin is uh, doing bad things, and it's separation from God. Now, when I was growing up, I always imagined it was, oh, you, sin is about you do bad things, and so you become separated from God. But it's actually backwards. I mean, that, that part works too. But the core issue about sin is being separated from God. The state of humanity that we're born into is we're born separated from God. We're born without this life-giving connection that we were created to have. And because of that, our lives get all messed up. And we misbehave and we do all these bad things. So, if you want to fix the problem that plagues our race, you start by getting back out of the separation with God. You start by getting connected back with God. And that's what the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ came to do, was to bring these separated parties of humanity and God 
back into union. And the gospel is this, this solution to the core human problem. It's, you could sort of think of it like this. A human being without connection to God is sort of like a cell phone without cellular service. It's, it's you know, if, imagine someone going to the T-Mobile shop saying, oh yeah, I want that phone. They're like, oh, how much does it cost? Oh, 800 bucks. Ah, okay, but it's a good phone. I'll take it. Okay, and then they're like, okay, and you want to plan maybe $50 a month or $50 a month? I can't afford that. I just paid for an $800 phone. So I'll just take the phone and I won't take the plan. Now, you know how ridiculous that is, right? Because now this phone, whatever apps are on there, they're not going to work. Or if they do work, they'll be very spotty and they'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll kind of come in and out. Uh, and if you want the phone to work and you want the YouTube app to work, then you need to have a cellular service. If you want to be able to text people on this app, you need, you need to have the cellular service. And if, if you're not connected to what the phone was designed to be connected to, then you're going to find, you're going to have problem with just about every app on there. And that's what happens with the human soul. We were created to be constantly tapped into this relationship with God. And if you're not, then you have an app in your soul for maintaining relationships. And that app is not going to be working very well because you're not connected to the source. You have an app in your, in your soul for maintaining your identity. And that app is supposed to keep you at all times feeling loved and worthwhile and purposeful and having a, a connection with a community and all of these things. But that app is not going to work if you're not connected to the source of it. And so the, the core problem, if you are messing around with all of your phones, on, all of your apps on your phone, and finding that none of them seem to work without cellular service is not to keep messing around and trying to get these apps to work. It's go get cellular service. It's sort of like 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's my message. Anything else is not going to help until you do that. So you might as well do that because I can give you all kind of counsel and all kind of advice about maintaining good, good relationships and your identity and all of that stuff. But if you're not reconciled to the source of your life who created you, who loves you, who has a purpose for you, if you're not connected, then nothing else is going to make sense. And so as we adopt 
for ourselves the mission of Christ, what we're calling people to is to be reconciled with God because that is the core problem of human existence and we have the solution. So just a couple practical notes as we close. If you want to share the gospel, share the good news with others, here's a great way to do it. First of all, you start asking questions. Finding out more about where they're at. What's going on in their lives. How, how much of the, the Bible story are they familiar with and believe? Because you don't want to start at a place that doesn't start where they're at. Also, you want to find out which apps they're finding really difficult to operate on their souls. Like, I mean, they might really be fixated on, you know, I just can't seem to make this, any relationships work. Like, they just all seem to fall apart. And that's a great time to kind of come along and say, you know, that, that's really a tough place to be. And I wonder if maybe you need to find a deeper love in Christ that you haven't found anywhere else. It might mean you take one of these little invitation cards. They're right back there. Say, you know, maybe you, maybe you might find something at, at church. I, and if you're interested, you could come check our church out. Very simple. I mean, you don't have to go and explain the whole thing. You can come and let Mark explain the whole thing to them, you know? <laughs> Invite them to church. Um, but whatever you do, I mean, let's get ingrained in our heads and our hearts. The gospel, the good news of Christ, is the victory announcement that will change everything. And it's centered upon the person of Christ. And it's the solution to whatever ultimate issues that someone is experiencing, it is bound up in that connection with God that we access through the good news. So if you're wondering, you know, I wonder if I'm, called to evangelism, mm, that's the best thing in the world for the people around you. Now, you don't have to be weird about it, but you have the good news that can change their lives. And so as we close, let me just, uh, there's a few different responses I want to invite you to. Can we have the worship team come forward? Um, if you have not been committed to the mission of Christ, maybe now's the time to get committed. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart saying, you've been letting things go and just kind of coasting along, and I have a heart to save the world, and I want you to be a part of it. Some of you need to respond to that today and say, okay, I'll, I'll follow you in this mission. I might not know what I'm doing, but I'll just start by 
praying for somebody. Um, some of you have found that the apps on your phone are not working. And you're filled with shame. You're filled with, with a sense of, of depression or, or, or frustration or whatever it is. And I want to just invite you, if you find that you're, you're, you find yourself in need of freedom, you find yourself in need of healing, you find yourself in need of, of, of hope, bring the gospel back into your life. Be reconciled with God. I mean, maybe you're a Christian for years and years, but we can still continually allow the Holy Spirit to make that connection happen. The last thing is, maybe some of you have never really accepted that, yes, that is the good news that I need to, I need to bring into my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent Jesus to us to bring life and hope. And I believe that. I believe Jesus died and rose again to bring this connection with God. And I want that. Teach me how. Show me how. Help me to bring my life into your family. I pray this in Jesus' name.